You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to another episode of VHS Gems, the podcast in which we watch movies of old, not even of old, movies of that nostalgia years of childhood, of VHS cassettes and rewinds and blockbuster rentals and all that stuff. And we see whether or not those movies live up to that nostalgia or if they're really creepy or if I mean they should be redone and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think I'm, you can redo this one. <laughs> I don't think you could either. No, um, I'm Jessica, and joining with me as always is John. That's right. <laughs> and today we are talking about a movie that, in this case, both of us had seen before. I think both of us had seen it several times before. Um, Pink Floyd, The Wall, from 1982. Um, I am going to start this because this is like probably our most rated R film we've watched. I will start this with a slight trigger warning. This movie does have a lot of violence in it. It has a lot of depictions of child abuse, um, sexual assault, depression, drug use. So just trigger warning we're probably going to end up talking about that. Oh, also white supremacy as well. Um, this movie was all done as a way to point out how bad those things are. But I don't know if it quite succeeds. No, uh, <laughs> this uh, it, it, um, it was used as an empowerment tool, apparently, for those exact same things it was trying to showcase as being bad. Yes. Well, they made a really really poor choice in casting for certain roles that that was interesting but we'll get to that because that is like yeah. three quarters of the way through the movie um so pink floyd the wall is a movie that's based off of pink floyd the wall album i think i feel like roger waters probably intended it to always be a movie because the album came out like 81 and this movie came out in 82 so i assumed they were being work on it about the same time but i didn't even no, the, think the, to the look album at the album was 79 and then was it 79 yes and then it came out in 82 the movie they started filming in 81 all the animation and all that oh maybe that's what i was reading then mm-hmm. they started filming in 81 but you're correct yes roger waters uh once he came up with the general concept he just wanted to go like all out and have it be like okay it's going to be a double album and then it's also going to be like this really elaborate state show and then it's going to be a feature film and you know if he would have gone kept going with it it could have probably been a saturday morning cartoon or something it just like Uh, he wanted to make a whole franchise about it maybe like an adult swim saturday late night (laughs) you know you, you you think that's a joke but i mean we had cartoons of robocop and like mr t and uh, like Rambo, I mean, like the, obviously they were more tame okay. for kids, but 
those those were those were real things. We had we had a cartoon of Starship Troopers. We did. <gasps> yes, it was CGI. It was actually pretty good for its time. Yeah, no, I'm never going to watch that. <laughs> if, if you also listen to our Geeks Watch podcast, I am currently trying to watch all of the old Marvel shows, and that's going swell for my brain development. <laughs> but, yeah, I recommend once you're done with all that, is check out Exosquat. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the best uh, 90s sci-fi cartoons ever made. Exosquad. All right, I'll put it on the the list that is like 200 pages long from all the recommendations I get. <laughs> um. So yeah, Pink Floyd: The Wall, 1982, is a story about a rock star named Pink Floyd, who, through trauma from his past and current trauma with his wife cheating on him has a mental breakdown and builds up a metaphorical wall in his mind and ends up having to deal with the consequences of being a rock star on drugs and having all of these issues and not dealing with them other than to just watch TV and do some drug, which they never quite show what drug he does. He does, there is a line in one of the songs that says he takes downers or at least or he's like something to calm him down. So that tells me he's definitely taking a very powerful downer over, say, cocaine. But Oh, yeah. It looks like he's taking a lot of heavy sedatives. And I think like in a couple of scenes, you see him like lighting up hash, maybe. Yeah. He looks like he's smoking a lot and just drinking a lot of booze. Yeah. Booze, um, smoking hash. I'm sure prescription medication. Those are all things he oh, yeah. to kind of sink into it all. Death, death. Um, and he's doing it incredibly unhealthily in this really nice hotel room for the 80s. <laughs> and yeah, it's got a very nice art deco. Like, first thing yeah. I remember from the movie, as soon as we started playing it, it was like, oh yeah, that hallway. It's so beautiful. It's so it hard to say that about a great... just a hallway. Yeah, I will say, I've watched, okay, I grew up listening to rock and roll and Pink Floyd. I mean, because I grew up listening to what my dad listened to. And I remember watching this movie at a fairly young age. I know I didn't watch all of this movie at a very young age. Like, I know I was never allowed to see the <laughs> disturbing scenes. Um, not till I feel like the first time I probably did it was probably when I was like a young teenager alone and I took the VHS into my room to watch it and I didn't <laughs> realize how much I hadn't seen. And I was like, what's this? I was but, like, what are those flowers doing um, to each other? That's wrong. Yeah. But this. I've always liked it. Like, even though I also liked being young and innocent, I've always liked something about The Wall. It was always one of my favorite albums. And it was also that the movie was always one of my favorite things to just watch in general. I think I end up watching it once a year, in fact. And there's such good shots in it. But one of the interesting things, like that hallway shot is really great, that opening. And researching this, it was interesting to see how the director was like, it's, it was like a really expensive student project, student <laughs> film project was how he described it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but oh, but yeah. still, it's just this movie, even no matter how disturbing it is or what it's about or what ends up happening, um, it always like struck with me. And I always think of it like when I'm starting to 
do like when I'm starting to build a wall because I mean I don't have depression but everybody has issues with feeling down sometimes and when I start to feel myself I think of the wall I think of Pink Floyd the wall and sometimes I listen to it and it snaps me out of it or or at least makes me realize I need to talk about this with somebody because that's See, not what Pink does. <laughs> you're 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 taking the correct lesson from the the songs and the story. And yes. as we come to find out, there's other people who took it the complete opposite direction. And I can't yeah. wait to get to that part eventually. But no, yeah, uh, oh, that's yeah. definitely, I mean, this movie deals with a lot of really interesting stuff. Stuff that, mm-hmm. um, like my, exp- I'll, I'll start with a little bit of like explanation of my history with Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up with classic rock. I mean, it was always around me, but like I never really picked up on it till I was older. And I really became like a Beatles fan in my teens. Um, And this one, I wasn't really exposed to Pink Floyd. I mean, I was aware from a pop culture perspective of, you know, Mm -hmm. The Wall, the the actual song, and the whole We Don't Need No Education always just kind of came off as a joke, you know? Um, But then... It's it's actually the worst song of the album, I think, personally, (laughs) and it's the one that everybody knows. Well, it's the one that is all kind of just built around, basically. Um, But yeah, and it's probably why, because of that, too, it's the one that was the most single-friendly, that it just got overplayed. So out of context, it's just kind of like, okay, this song's like, whatever. Um, It it really just, the whole package has to be considered. And I want to say I got into Pink Floyd in, like, my first or second year of college, when, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, I saw a documentary about the making of The Wall. Um, really okay it was like one of those vh ones behind the music but it was specifically about the making of the album and what came before what came after and all that other stuff in between and they cover a lot of it was like a crash course into pink floyd and i got (laughs) to learn a lot um yeah like a really short period of time and i was just really fascinated by just how they made all of that work how they tied it all together, the different personalities involved. I mean, just hearing David Gilmore's guitar, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. So that got me into The Wall, which then led me into their other discography, Animals, Dark Side of the Moon, um, mm-hmm. which I kind of like to stay within that certain period of Floyd. You know, the Sid Barrett stuff, I don't care for that much. And then yeah. the stuff when Robert Waters left, I don't care for that much. It's like yeah. that one chunk of time in the 70s, Billy. And so I saw The Wall... And I was like, yep, that's exactly what I thought would come about from this album. Like once, I was like, it's it's like, they're inseparable now. Like, because they're such complete experiences in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you can't separate the music from the album. And I can't separate the visuals of the walking hammers and the the big wall with the holes in it, you know, from the album. Like, it's all like, yeah. And that's exactly what his intention was. Rodgers wanted to make this all-encapsulating experience, um, which it turns out, I don't know how much you know about the history of why the wall came into being. Mm -hmm. A a little bit. I mean, I know it was kind of sort of about said Barrett um, and why he had to be kicked out of the band and also even a pianist at the time I think they were making this album was kicked out of the band as well for a drug problem no that was because okay. Roger Waters was kind of an asshole <laughs> and uh, oh, he well, felt that, that too, the, but... <laughs> the, yeah he felt that and the keyboard player was there from the beginning um, Rick Wright I believe was his name um, he's passed now unfortunately and um, 
Yeah, so just kind of like a crash course into how the wall came into being, because it definitely factors into the overall story. So yes, Sid Barrett, their original singer, guitar player, went crazy from drugs. Um, He became a completely different person. He left the band. Mm -hmm. It kind of, you know, left a scar in the group where it was like, wow, like that happened to him. He was like a friend we knew, and now he's like a complete stranger. The things that drugs can do to you, right? You know, being, you know, Mm -hmm. rock stardom. Um, But then... Pink Floyd started as a really small band. Like, they played yeah. little gigs and, like, pubs and whatever and, like, art house, like, performances. And then they really blew up, you know? Like, they just got huge. Dark Side of the Moon just catapulted them. Animals was, like... They were playing concert uh, arenas for mm-hmm. for that album. And Roger Waters apparently really hated that. Like, he didn't like basically not having a connection with the audience the audience not really being there for the music they were just getting high and i guess it all came down to one moment he felt so angry at this disrespectful looking <gasps> punk guy i remember this now because it happened in canada yeah <laughs> he like spit at him was that what yeah. it was he like got yep. mad at him and spit in his face and then yep. after that he felt so horrified <laughs> Yeah, he was like, wow, what just happened to me right now? And he started reflecting on that. And I guess that was what started the wall is, you know, basically being a rock star going out of control, no longer being connected to your audience, not really Mm -hmm. processing what you're feeling, just kind of letting it all burst out in this like lash of anger. And yeah, that's kind of what we see like a much more exaggerated version of in here. Plus, there's, there's a lot of autobiographical elements in here. Um, if you've ever listened to the DVD commentary, Waters and the art design, the graphic designer, the one who came up with mm-hmm. all the visuals and the animation stuff for it, yeah, they go a lot into how like each of them brought in little bits of their own history. Uh, for instance, Pink's car- uh, Pink Floyd's father dies in World War II, which is mm-hmm. what happens with uh, Roger Waters' real father. Um, yeah. And then a lot of the, let's just say... Um, unpleasant female imagery. Yeah, uh, a lot of that comes from the artist, apparently, and they both joke about uh, about that in the story, saying like, "Hey, I guess this film was really just our way of working out some childhood issues, isn't it?" <laughs> in that yeah. typical British uh, dry sense of humor that they have, and yeah, uh, yeah there's a lot of dry. stuff of that in there. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people knowing me now would be surprised that I actually like this movie, especially (laughs) over its depiction of women. But I feel like even at a young age, and especially now watching it, I don't take that depiction as truth to the women in it. I take it as how he sees them because he's so messed up. And And so I think that's like... Like, that's how he has to see them. So that's why they have to be written the way they are. And also, I mean, of the other female that is in it, the the groupies. Like, groupies are groupies. Of course, they're going to do things to get into concerts. Like, that scene, I was like, that's realistic to the 80s and how they would yep. sneak their way into a concert. Like, they're going to try to strip with the roadies and then get their passes <laughs> and then go, go in. But, yeah, it's not the best depiction of women at all but it's a realistic depiction to how he would see women how he would see the betrayal of his wife cheating on him 
Yeah, he doesn't have the most healthiest outlook when it comes to women. And that's exactly as you stated. It's because that's how he sees them. It's not the truth. It's his perception, which, um, again, we'll definitely touch up on it a bit more. But there's a lot of, like, even worse depictions of, like, fascism. And, like, in the wrong interpretation, that can be seen as pro-fascist. And that's not what it was going for. Mm-mm. But, yeah, like, you know, somebody can look at it, and like anything else, it can be misinterpreted and used to further a certain line of thinking, I suppose. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not what it was for. Why no. do you have to ruin things, people? Yeah. Um, we should probably get into the actual movie. This movie yeah. will be hard to do step-by-step, step, though, because there is so many flashbacks in it. Um as you're kind of sort of slowly learning why Pink is as messed up as he is. Um, but we do start off with that hallway scene and a maid cleaning, which it's like a hotel hallway, super art deco, a weird bluish purple color. Always stands out in my mind, that opening scene. Mainly because it was one of the scenes I was able to watch when I was a kid, probably. Um, but <laughs> it's the one scene not having like crazy sex happening. Yeah. Um, Vera Lynn is... There's a Vera Lynn song playing in the background, um, which comes up later on. There is a song on the album called Does Anyone Remember Vera Lynn? And Vera Lynn was a singer during World War II. And she, I think her most famous song was uh, We'll Meet Again. Yep. That, that's one of her favorite songs, which he also directly quotes that song to later on. Um, but yeah, she was like, she would go to those USO shows and sing to the troops. And she was like just that pretty blonde singer lady and the troops would go off and fight in the war after hearing her sing um so would you say she was like a bard that was raising the morale for the warriors to go fighting yeah that basically honestly that is what it is uso shows were used to raise morale and the darkest of times during the war often um they would go to like the not the hardest hit areas but they would try to sing to the soldiers that have been through the most and stuff like that there's actually really good i think it's a bet midler movie that she's in a uso show uh i'm never i'm not gonna remember the title of that movie but it's a crazy good movie about uso shows and how they work and bet midler is bet midler i'm pretty sure it's bet midler um that sounds familiar yeah i can't even remember who else is in it either i just remember like scenes of it and there's another there's a comedian in it that's really good actor too and i can't think of his name but it's not the rose is it no it is not the rose okay it is oh it's gonna blank me out and i don't want to search for it because then that's whatever um (laughs) so anyway back to it um if you know what that bet midler uso show is a movie is let me know whoever is listening to this you can tweet at us later <laughs> after that opening scene it also cuts to someone lighting a hurricane lamp and this and roger waters is now singing a song that is not in the wall album this song is called when the tigers break free i think yep And this song is playing over as what you will later on learn is Pink's father cleaning his gun. That's a really good song. I really wish it was on the album. Um, Yeah. 
It was on the the album that came out after the wall, the final cut. The final cut. Yeah. See, I don't own the final cut. Maybe. Well, yeah. I probably just find the digital of it on Spotify nowadays. But <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like own the wall album. <laughs> oh, that was my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Then you start to see, I guess, the future-ish, as in the flesh starts. Yeah, in the flesh starts, and you kind of sort of see the future. Um, and it's there's a bunch of hammers, looks very fascist, <laughs> white supremacist setup, and he's singing in the flesh. But it's only cuts of it, and you see violence. There's always constant cuts to, like, a riot going on. I don't know where the riot is or what. Yeah, I think this is where you can. It's intermixed with. Um, so we get scenes of like the people storming the concert. So like all these people mm-hmm. are rushing in. Then yeah. it's it's juxtaposed with the battle that's happening that eventually kills Pink's dad in Wolf, during mm-hmm. World War Two, And yeah. yeah, there's scenes of violence going on in some like nondescript like urban area, like people rioting. And yeah. I guess it's just supposed to show that there's all kinds of craziness going on everywhere in every facet of life. Yeah. I know. I think that's where you get the, it's like a senior student in college film studies film, <laughs> like scenes like that, where it's like, why is this here? Like, this doesn't need to be here. I get you're trying to do some metaphorical point, but it's not hitting quite right because it has not quite anything to do with what's currently happening. After all that, after you realize um, his dad dies in the war of a bomb it cuts to the thin ice and that's where it shows the mom the war basically that he's really messed up about it because he grew up without his dad pretty much but he didn't really understand why and then you see that cool scene of pink floating in the water and then it kind of goes wonky and it's like he can't swim and it's like him sinking into his thoughts is how i kind of sort of interpret it which a fun fact that i read was that the actor um uh i can't remember his name but i know he was an irish singer bob geldoff punk star yeah bob geldoff um he couldn't swim he doesn't like water so he didn't know how to swim so they had him on a lift to hold him up like that and i guess it's the lift that they use in supergirl to make it look like she's flying oh interesting (laughs) yeah um, so that was interesting. This is really hard to just go through because it's so much weird stuff, and it all goes with the music so well. As soon as the yeah. song, because the Thin Ice starts as kind of a nice sounding song, and then like halfway through, it just turns into this like, er, like rage infested, not nastiness, but just like ah, like anger and depression and like what pink is going through in his mind as he's floating there a task that should be like calming him down but it seems to like put him too much in his thoughts i guess yeah i mean even the title of the song is suggesting that um he's about to lose his mind because like one little like he's basically like one straw away from breaking that camel's back essentially Mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah you you see that descent into madness beginning here. Um, we it and um, so because it jumps around in the timeline a bit too. Um, at this point, when he's in the pool, um, he's also bleeding because he cut his hand 
from something yeah. that happens later in the story. So mm-hmm. this this technically happens after he scared the hell out of the groupie that came with him, and he cut yeah, his hand, and now he's all later. alone. Yeah, and uh, so so like I said, yeah. yeah, it is kind of a tricky one to talk about. Um, yeah, it's kind of like I guess the thin ice is like his about to break point. Yeah, but he kind of shows it. As I feel like he's floating in the pool and then reflecting on everything that had happened to him in the last 36 hours. Yeah. And then you're seeing that reflection after that until you catch up to the groupie scene. No. To the crazy fascist scene. Comfortably numb is probably when it catches up to, okay, now we're there. Um, So then after the thin ice, it goes into... The Brick in the Wall Part 1, which shows um, Pink as a little boy at a park. And he's kind of sort of trying to get a dad to be his dad. That's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, it's really sad. And this is another where it goes like he was looking for that relationship because his mom doesn't seem to be the best. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, after World War II, like 19... 40s 50s it's just i guess parents didn't really know how to parent i don't know but there's like she doesn't seem to like really parent as parents do nowadays like really get their kids to like a talk about their feelings and b like watch them and care for them yeah he asked the dad at the park he basically tries to walk off with the dad and the dad's like oh, you're not my kid bye <laughs> kind of thing and and then it'll cut to Pink going through his father's things. I think this is another song that's not in the album, and I forgot to write down. It's the same the one. Title. It's um, The Tigers Go Free. It's split up into two parts because of those scenes. Okay, all right. So it's the same one, um, and he's putting on his dad's stuff, and he very importantly, he finds his dad's bullets, which will come in a little bit later on. Um, and then we cut... To, and this is where I go to mom is neglectful because there's a scene where mom's just like laying out in the sun tanning and pink is clearly in like a bassinet nearby crying and crying <laughs> and she is not moving <laughs> which studies now have shown that you should not let your child just cry they will not they'll not cut it like at that young age when an infant if an infant's crying they need something they need to be held or fed or changed or whatever but they do need something and if you don't provide that something and you let them keep crying they already start developing trauma so like that is the rule you 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 do have to like not let your babies cry because they will develop stress and trauma (laughs) and all that stuff just you know research nowadays we know these things now that explains (laughs) a lot yeah. <laughs> um, and then as that little scene is happening, it cuts to a cat looking at a dove, a white dove. And that dove flies away and we get our first awesome animated sequence. Yeah, I love that so, whole Iron oh, Eagle yeah. thing. Oh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite animated sequence. I like I do like all the animated sequences, like for their art form not necessarily what they're about but like this is the one where i like the whole thing and i don't feel like bad for kind of liking it like i do the flower one where i'm like i like this but i feel bad for liking this. <laughs> but um like the the dove turns animated and it turns into this huge metallic eagle 
and that sort of starts to lay waste to the land and you get a lot of metaphors to like how England was during World War II and what they're trying to get out of I would say is that you know because it shows like the humans have turned into dogs wearing like gas masks pretty much these like dog-like creatures wearing masks and hiding under as they did during the bombings during World War II and I also feel like it was a good way to show how the war industry kind of sort of changed England as well because that mechanical bird turns into like a building later on like a factory or something yeah and i feel like that might have been and then also you see the soldiers dying constantly in like the corpse like version of them and then the british flag turning into a cross for like the the soldiers graves the red bleeding off of it yeah, and the red bleeding off of it, yeah. and it's I, it's not I, subtle. We should say that for no. sure. Like this, this is very. Uh, I would say it's heavy-handed, very literal. But yeah. it is trying to convey. I think this particular song is trying to show you like the post-war Britain, like recovering from all of that trauma. Um, those dog-looking people with the gas masks. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, from what I remember. The artist talking about. Uh, I think his name is Gerald Scarf. He says he mm-hmm. remembers that as a child because he was like five or six during world war ii he says he remembers having to go into bomb shelters and like all of the kids they are wearing like these huge masks that were clearly meant for adults and like just looking really exaggeratedly huge so he he's uh he specifically says he's always had that image in his brain of like these little almost like goblin looking you know small creatures with these like oversized helmets or masks Mm -hmm. on so yeah, like it's it was a, a like very traumatic coming back from that recovering from that time period. Yeah, um, as a whole, I mean it's it's one of those oh there's a term for it, but where like a whole society goes through the same trauma. I cannot remember what it's called, and we're currently going through it with COVID going on too. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like societal trauma where like a whole entire generation goes through the same trauma. And has to kind of deal with it and move on. But I also feel like the other metaphor in there, at least I picked it up like the last few times I've watched it, that it could just be how industry is built up out of war and innocent people dying. Because the boom after World War II within industry was ridiculous. Our technology grew phenomenally and they just built and built and built from everything they got and kind of sort of shoved aside or forgot what caused that increase you know that like old term that war is kind of good for the economy kind of thing yeah war is good for business that's true yeah um but you should always remember what the cost of that war is more than just money people well Um, you gotta tell that to the stockholders though they do it for them which (laughs) yeah that's true um, so after you get that gorgeous animation, it cuts to a young pink putting the bullets on a train track with his friends, as seems, kids do. Seems dangerous. <laughs> it is slightly dangerous. They can ricochet, and you can get them shrapneled into you, but kids be kids, right? Um, right. I mean, I would have done it for sure. I'm, I knew it wouldn't have been smart, but I would have done it. <laughs> 
yeah it, no i would never have done it i i didn't even touch a match till i was like 15 so wow <laughs> that was me well my you know my dad's a firefighter so i oh, was really okay. ingrained well, how yeah, bad okay. fire was like to the point that i got to watch the fire training videos and which like showed you how bad fire is and i'm just like okay don't ever watch what will happen if you put too much lint in your dryer and don't don't watch a video of that because you will forever well actually do watch the video because you will forever be <laughs> removing that lint even if there's just a little bit on your little vent you're gonna be removing all the lint because it's an it's an explosion and it's scary and oh, wow. don't play with matches until you're 15 in physics class <laughs> Or chemistry, uh, whatever class it was. So they do that. Their teacher catches them for some reason. I don't know if they were in school at the time, or maybe it was just after school, and the teacher yells at them from afar. Oh no! I, I think that start. was. I think that was just meant to be like a transition. Like he wasn't yeah. literally there. It was just more That's like. True. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Okay. Well, but and this we, is where did, you get to did, start to this. We also skipped over what? though that. As the what? bullets were going off and the train was passing by, oh. that it turned into oh, that... like a like a Jewish concentration camp style train. About... Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the the kids were wearing the masks, or not yeah. the kids, the creepy masks of all the people. Yeah, another callback callback call to World War Two. Another metaphor for World War Two on how Jewish people would put on trains, like packed into the carts of trains and. Yeah. To go to the concentration camps. Like, people would see them go by and not think anything was wrong. Whatever. But uh, it goes to the one song that everybody pretty much knows. Kind of. It starts with the song. What is that song title? Happiest. The Happiest Days or something like that? Happiest happiest Days days of Our Lives. Which is just a song about how teachers abuse children because they're abused by their wives at home. Kind of thing. Well, it, I think it was supposed to be like the cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. How in this particular case, um, you know, the teacher is basically being abused at home. Although the yeah. way that they depicted it here is a little more subtle, surprisingly. It's, it's not heavy handed where like the wife well, is beating the, the husband. <laughs> yeah. In this one, it's it's a little subtle. Later on during the trial at the very end, it is pretty Oh, yeah. There, there they have the, the literal version where it's like when the the wife is spanking the teacher or spanking the child or something like that yeah and the she the teacher is a puppet when it's animated the teacher is a puppet that the wife is controlling yeah kind of thing but yeah and yes it is a representation of the cycle of abuse that people who are abused will also abuse it's not my favorite thing to say as truth though because there's a <laughs> lot of people that break that cycle and there's a lot of people that get away from their abusers. There's a lot of people that realize it's wrong and learn to talk about it and so that they can get over it so they don't become abusers themselves and all that stuff. Like, yeah, yes, this, this but, is not a story about somebody that actually gets over it. <laughs> no, it's not. It is very much, um, well, it's how they grew up. It's the era they grew up in. They grew up in that era that you weren't allowed to have feelings, especially as a boy. Um, which you'll get to in the scene, you get that scene where the teacher makes fun of him for writing poetry, which is actually two different versions of, or not versions, two, 
two different lines from money from dark side of the moon um yeah. Guy and reads it out and to that no point <laughs> yeah to that point when uh towards the end when they're going through the trial um mm-hmm. one of the things that the judge accuses pink is ex- um showing feelings of an almost human nature this As, this will not do <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which is um, great because yeah it's exactly right it's like there you're there's this weird societal pressure at least back then and at least especially towards men to just bottle it mm-hmm. all up uh, like nope, have that stiff upper lip, be strong, you know whatever. Um, and uh, nope, a lot of people resort to things like drugs and other ways of coping with the stresses mm-hmm. of life because you know pushing it all down is very very short term. It's going to have lasting repercussions. <laughs> yep, but we don't consider that. I mean, we do currently. We're getting our society is getting a lot better at treating mental health and treating trauma as a serious thing. Um, the biggest change being in how we handle PTSD, probably, which is actually recognizing what PTSD is um, and that anybody can get it and not just people who are in a war too. But even back oh, then yeah. after World War II, you weren't allowed to have PTSD. No, you were a soldier. You did your job. Like, why do you have yeah. issues? You shouldn't have issues. Suck it up. You know, pretend you're back in the war. Suck it up. Follow your orders kind of thing. Nowadays, it's a lot better. But when you have a whole society being raised to suck it up to not have their feelings to you know just do what you're supposed to do you know we all gotta the other thing was we all had to come together after world war ii in order to make our countries better like in order to not let that happen again so we had to pretend basically everything was okay i I say we like i was there but (laughs) but that also had a huge impact in how people would hide their feelings because you weren't allowed to because you had to be strong for your country because we weren't going to let World War II happen again kind of thing. And then the Cold War happened and then we were all traitors. It's just humans are just not great. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we're We're not. not. We're still not great. We need help. Still very primitive in many ways. Yeah. Government's still not, not doing too well, but it's just that's how it is from the beginning of time. And it's going to take a lot to change. And I think with the wall, Roger Waters was trying to show that, that it's not okay. And I just didn't quite hit the, hit the mic. No. I mean, it did for me. Even as a kid, I got the message of it. But <laughs> <laughs> watching only half of it. <laughs> you get another brick in the wall, which I think I didn't even write that much about it. Because honestly, to me, it's like the most boring part of the movie. Because it's the music video that people see on VH1 classic. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is a full-on music video. You got the the kids doing the backup. You got the the maze where the students are being thrown into the beat grinder. Again, not yeah. very subtle. It's like no school takes away your individuality. Well, not just school, but like just that sort of societal demand for conformity. Yeah, yeah, demand for conformity and to pretend that everything is okay. Cool. Yeah. It's not. So, but, then, so, yep. yeah, I mean, the wall is the wall. If if you know anything about Pink Floyd, you probably know that, so. Yeah. This is where you get the phone ringing, and older Pink is trying to call someone, and they're not picking up, and the song Mother starts, which was one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar, so. And also, fun. this is a different version. It is. I actually love this version of it and my dad can play well it's not till the third verse that it starts doing like the plucky 
guitar. My that's how my dad plays it. I just strum it because I'm not a great guitar player, but my dad can <laughs> actually play it like how it is played on the movie. The song starts out kind of a cappella, completely different and softer than how it actually is on the album. And you sort of learn about how Pink had relationships with women from when he was a kid to when he married his wife in this whole thing. Actually, no, past his marriage with his wife, I think. And I want to say it's at that point, but they kind of sort of show that his mom is kind of sort of neglectful, kind of sort of not, not even not. He had like a good relationship with his mom in a way that he likes his mom, but not in the way that it's really... But it sounds like she was also sheltering and overprotective. Yeah, overprotective. So the lyrics are about how she's sheltering and overprotective, but also kind of neglectful to his feelings. That's how I would say it. Like, she wants to protect him. She just doesn't quite know how. This also shows him, like, taking care of him when he's sick. And I had to read the trivia on it for this one. Apparently the doctor is checking to see if he has polio. That's why he does a certain, like, knee test or something. I guess that was a test for polio. And it seems the doctor is concerned. So, you know, naturally, like, Pink is freaking out in his bed. But Mom's like, "Ah, you're fine. And, like, shuts the door on him. (laughs) Goes to talk to the doctor. And he ends up still waking up and going down to her room. And, like, you know, sleeping with her for comfort. And then it cuts to a scene of him seeing a dead body next to his mom. Like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on right there. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the song Mother, and it's such a pretty version of the song Mother. And I'm like, what is happening? Every time I watch it, I'm like, it's you got see, probably one young... of the, the best yeah. solos too, I have to say, for just from a purely musical perspective. It's like, man, that's a really nice, like, little simple, but like mm-hmm. heartfelt. It packs a punch. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. going back slightly to a previous point you made about Pink's experiences with women, mm-hmm. um, in a short way you could summarize it as just being awkward oh yeah Uh, he just doesn't really like relate well or communicate well with women there's that really like just cringy scene where it's like a some kind of a dance and the only other girl that's not dancing he's like well i guess it's you and me and she's like twice his size when she stands up yeah she's like like, sick too isn't she yeah she's huge (laughs) yeah yeah She's like full grown sized woman that's still like in middle school and you poor pink. Yeah. He's like at her waist level or something and they're trying to slow dance or whatever there was that they're doing. Yeah. And um and his mom is just dancing with somebody too. All weird. Yeah. But then it also chaperone. has the scene of him spying on his neighbor undressing as yeah. well. Again, also not a healthy behavior <laughs> to no, be doing not like not healthy behavior but especially because he's he knows what he's doing is wrong because then he shuts off all the lights to like make yeah. sure he doesn't get caught and, and i was like wow like this guy knows what he's doing yeah he's definitely like a young teenager in that scene though Cause he's like he's also smoking a cigarette too like he rolled a cig- i think it's a cigarette i don't know but he rolled something it could be weed i'm not for sure but <laughs> He rolled a cigarette of some kind and starts <laughs> and he's smoking like, the devil's lettuce. He's smoking it and watching his neighbor get undressed because that's what we girls like to do. Just always undress in front of open windows. 
<laughs> well, it was a different time. Yeah, I guess. But no, I still feel like we would have been like, huh, ah, somebody could see in. I don't know. Yeah, he's Spizener, you know, hides it, turning off the lights and freaks out when his mom comes in and everything. And then it cuts to his relationship with his wife and how she's actively cheating on him right now. Because... Well, and to be yeah. fair... Yeah. Um, I think that was honestly Pink's fault, although I'm sure Pink oh, yeah. wouldn't see it that way. He was portrayed as being kind of neglectful. He's He looks like he's completely zoned out when he's like trying to write a song on a piano. He's like just staring off into space. Mm-hmm. She's trying to talk to him and he's kind of ignoring her. She's trying to get intimate with him and even strips in front of him. And he's trying to like move her out of the way so he can watch the football game or soccer, mm-hmm. as they call it here in the States. Um, yeah. And it just seems like the natural progression where she's just like, look, I've tried like communicating with you you're not receptive. I'm like, what am I doing here? So it's like, it really isn't anyone's fault other than Pink's in this in this sense. Yeah. Um, but if you are the kind of person that sees it from a, I want to say more narcissistic point of view, I could totally see how you could be on Pink's side and be like, man, like his wife was just a cheating, you know, harlot or whatever. Like totally take the side of like, you know, why does she have to go do that? And I was like, yeah. well, because she's a human being and, you know, you don't like talking to someone who's like not even there half the time and isn't receptive to you. Like, what else do you expect? Yeah. And see, this was where for me, I recognized that Pink was thinking about everything he did because you still get that perspective. Like, you still get him just staring. Like, if this is, if, if, like, I judged this movie movie as being pink reflecting on how he got to the point that he is so if this is his reflection then he does realize at least at this point that he did mess up that it was his fault um in a way that he didn't communicate that he pushed her away kind of thing like that's how i took it as a child people as a child (laughs) i took this movie as if you're a rock star, you might go crazy and you'll hold everything in and be mean to everyone about you and do drugs. And if you do that, you could become evil. But that's how I took <laughs> it as like, I was like, I literally, and then, but I was like, but if you talk about it and open yourself up and tear down your wall, then you might be okay. Like that's literally the message I got from the movie when I was like 10. <laughs> like, Come up people. That's but, it. All right, so that uh, was Pink Floyd, The Wall. What are we watching next? No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, 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 no. We're going to get to... Okay, so after that, <laughs> after all that lovely scene, we get to a slightly... Oh, we get to the flower animated sequence, right? The flower one. Yeah. The pretty flower so, one. So what can we say about this scene? It is a very pretty flower one that is a giant metaphor for men and women relationships and sex and flowers fighting each other (laughs) it's a weird one it's a real real weird one well it's 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 so well drawn but it is it's it's very fluid it's very pretty the colors are nice it goes so perfectly with the music but it depicts i guess i want to say relationships in general like the courting the wooing of each other and then the final 
consummation, but then how that devolves into wanting to kill each other. <laughs> because those flowers go from being very pretty-looking, um, scrumptious, uh, succulent, meaty petal flowers. Okay, you could slow down there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's not even quite a metaphor. It's pretty right in your face what it's about. This is yeah. the one that, like, I like the animation of it. I like the art of it. I don't like the message of it. I understand the message of it. I don't like it. It's not a healthy message. This is one that I think think might have fell flat in it kind of thing because it kind of sort of it shows it once again shows sex as sort of like a conquest and like that the guy wins initially but in the long run the woman wins because she wins the relationship and she wins the control that's the message i always get from it and every time i watch it it's the only message i get from it yeah kind of thing like there is no little side twist that's kind of nice to it where it's like but that's (laughs) not the truth you know (laughs) Not really. Um, I mean, other than it, this would be in Pink's mind, I assume. Because Pink is an artist. I mean, he's a songwriter, of course. So he is an artist. So he would think artistically. So this would be his, I assume, his artistic representation of how he's feeling at that current moment. So yeah, it's going to be messed up because he's feeling messed up. But I just, I wish I didn't like the animation. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, but I like it. I want to say... The, there's a line in Fight Club that reminds me of that scene in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, it's when Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are both in the bathroom talking to each other. I mean, and, supposedly. but <laughs> Yeah. Spoiler alert. And um, Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> for a 20-year-old movie, yeah. Yeah, it's been 20 years already, hasn't it? Wow. I haven't seen it because that got spoiled for me. So. Really? Oh, it's yes. still a fantastic movie in spite of that. It's still it's beautifully directed. It's awesome. Anyway, okay, so there's a there's a scene where they're talking to each other in the bathroom and they're um Brad Pitt or Edward Norton is basically saying it's like, Well, when I was a teenager my father told me to like, you know, do good so I can go to college when I went to college. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, you know, to do good so I can get a good job. And then I got a good mm-hmm. job. And then I said, mm-hmm. Dad, now what? And his dad told him, I don't know, get married. <laughs> and Brad Pitt oh. responds with, we're a generation of men raised by women. I wonder if another woman is really the answer we need. And I think that's what this song or this s- s- animation sequence is essentially displaying, which is like, Women have never been a source of comfort or any kind of actual emotional connection, but it seems to be something that we're supposed to want. I'm saying we, but I'm really meaning pink. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think it's him coming to the realization, like every time this happens, it always starts the same. It always ends the same. It's a mm-hmm. cycle of this this kind of weird dance that turns into abuse. Because, yeah, the flowers eventually go from loving each other to straight up attacking and turning into, like, what look like vultures, kind of. Like, really weird-looking, yeah. deformed birds. And then, you're right, at the end, the women is the one that wins because the f- flower that looks more vulva-like, I want to say, um, yeah. ends up lulling the, the male flower into like a false sense of comfort and then just rips it open or rips it apart 
and then flies yeah. away with its remains. And yep. I was like, that is a very incel kind of mentality to have. Yeah. It's also very much that Pink sees women as women and not as persons or people kind of thing, he, which uh, would yeah, also he, be... He sees them as reproductive organs more than anything. Yeah, that too. And which would also be like another issue that would be in the era that he grew up in was that, you know, women were, you're supposed to take care of the kids. You're supposed to make kids. You're supposed to take care of the home. Like you're supposed to do this. You're not supposed to go and join, I assume anti-war rally. I don't know what that was, but yeah, it was anti anti like nuclear war. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not supposed to do that stuff. You know, you're supposed to take care of your husband. You're not supposed to like, you know, bug him when he's watching tv i guess you know that's that's this it might, and that was very much the animation this, sequence was like this might be a side note but during the scenes where we're seeing the wife kind of going to these like peace demonstration rallies and she's sort of kind of like getting interested in like the guy who's running these demonstrations he's just kind of like yeah. a normal looking guy i think he's a little bit balding but she's looking at him like like hey i like you you know she's got that look in her eye and I always wondered well, if that was supposed to be like, like, uh, so is that supposed to be that she wants somebody who actually believes in something and is driven to something as opposed to Pink, who's like talented, but it's just like mm-hmm. not responsive. Like, is that what, is that supposed to be telling us? I don't know what that's supposed to be telling us because you don't get really her point of view of that relationship. Cause really what she could be wanting is just somebody that cares about her opinions Hmm. which is what a normal person would care about i mean so, that is important yeah I like would imagine. and when it comes to that point like looks don't really matter really if you've been stuck in a relationship where you don't seem to matter and somebody else shows you that you matter to them and i will say especially if that somebody else is somebody like of their own power and has their own things to do but still thinks that you're legit, that you're a person and that your opinions matter and that you can help them in their path kind of thing, then yeah, looks wouldn't matter at all. So Hold on, I, need to, I, need to, I need to be taking notes here. <laughs> this is good Just stuff. Just treat a person like a person. That's pretty much it. Oh, treat them that's with respect. The, that's... You know, talk about your feelings. Don't lie over stupid things. It's just, you know... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to just watching the flower animation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, world. I tried. <laughs> um, you get... Okay, so moving on, you get a extended version of um, Empty Spaces. It's extended in this one. Yes. As opposed to on the album. And... During this, it cuts to... What does it cut to? Oh, people robbing a store for some reason. Looting a store. And then it goes to the song Dirty Women. And this is where you get the groupies. The American groupie girls sneaking in backstage. Oh, it's called Young Lust. Oh, it is called Young Lust. Dang it. But it does say he wants a dirty woman. Yeah, but yeah, it is a young list. Well, you know, Pink Floyd's really good at that. At like, just <laughs> we're gonna say this phrase over and over again, but it is not gonna be the title <laughs> of that song. You're like, but why not? <laughs> Come on. Ooh, I like. I do like this song, but um, 
<laughs> anyway, we could just skip over that. Basically, the groupies get in the way that groupies would get in to areas they can't get into. And, um... You know what, though? They were on a mission, and they accomplished it. Like, they, they just were, marched in. They were, like, professionals. They got the <laughs> distraction cue, and they got the just everything cue. And, I yeah, mean, they the, knew the, what would work to get them to that backstage spot, and... This they wasn't their first video, that's for sure. Yes. Hey, I do not judge them for doing that because <laughs> they got what they wanted and, you know, those men were just being those men, you know. Right? I mean, if they were easy yeah, to manipulate that way, then whose fault what, is it really? What is it? I always forget there there's something I saw recently on the internet going around probably a few years um where it's like why do we always blame the woman for sleeping to the top as opposed to talking about the men that won't let people get promoted without sexual favors <laughs> like we always blame the women for doing it forgetting that the men blocked them and put them to that point because they wouldn't give them that promotion or whatever unless they had a sexual favor even if they deserved it hashtag me too yes hashtag me too hashtag also um glass ceiling yeah that's that's what it is it's called the glass ceiling and you know, we should talk more about the men that let that glass ceiling happen and not the women that just tried to get around it. Anyway, <laughs> try to get off my soapbox when I'm watching a movie, <laughs> The Wall, you know. But <laughs> well, I mean, these there are some deep things in this movie. Um, it, it's just that it's easy to go on these like really intricate tangents because they apply. You're absolutely right. And this would be a great subject for like its own conversation yeah. but it's only going to be one small part of this other thing that we're already trying to juggle yes i know we gotta get to that point i'm just <laughs> really trying to not get to that point but we gotta get to that point where we talk about it but um so she ends up going into pink for some reason pink's like that girl from his trailer even though he looks utterly annoyed at her existence and he picks one of them and he takes i think her- it was her just having that confidence to like lead him like she yeah. was the one that was kind of pulling him around everywhere yeah and she did also kind of look like his wife too. yeah yeah so she had that look. it could be that too um he takes her to a hotel room and then you know she kind of sort of tries to get something out of him probably money or you know concert tickets who knows and <laughs> an autograph maybe yeah, he goes <laughs> nuts. He goes absolutely yeah. nuts and starts wrecking the place. Um, Which is one of my favorite songs in the album, by the way. Um, yes. This one is one of my turns. Starts off yes, really... I, almost like a lullaby, actually. Yeah. The song starts off almost as a lullaby. Not quite about no- nice things. Not that all lullabies are about nice things. I mean... No, but it's very yeah. quiet, very subdued. He's just kind of... It's, it starts off really just kind of melancholy, actually. Like, he's mm-hmm. just saying about how tired he is of everything, how he just can't stand it anymore, but in, like, a really tired kind of way. And yep. the groupie's just like, wow, this room is great. Like, this, like... Wanna take a bath? Yeah, That's like, she's just trying to be, like... <laughs> she She wants to be an object to him, basically. Like, she's offering herself in a way of, like, hey, like, Let's do with groupy stuff, you know? And yeah. he's just kind of like checked out mentally. And he's just trying to watch TV mm-hmm. at this point. She's definitely starting to annoy him. 
And what I think is one of the best things about this particular song in the whole album is that he goes from like zero to 60 in like no time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like raging out, shout singing, and breaking everything, throwing yeah. bottles her way, not hitting her, yeah. thankfully, but throwing bottles her way, breaking everything in the hotel room breaking a window and then shouting out the window yeah kicks over the tv yeah complete mental breakdown just cuts his hand on the glass which apparently he did for real yeah see this is where i talked to my dad about this a bit which i think i talked about this before but my dad and i like before me watching this got an argument because i said oh yeah i'm watching you know the wall you know the rock opera and dad was like it's not a rock opera it's a long music video and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> there's spoken words in it and i was like no the album is considered a rock opera but anyway um i was talking about that oh he actually cut himself and my dad's like but it's in the script because he apparently looked up the script to try to prove his music video thing so he's like it's in the script that he cuts his hand there i was like that doesn't mean he didn't actually cut his hand on something though. <laughs> yeah he apparently cuts his hand like he could have done and, it for real on accident <laughs> yeah which um, the actor also doesn't like blood, so which comes up in a scene later on that he oh, had yeah. issues with initially, but he got totally into. Um, but um, I, I, but, yeah, I, I almost don't want to talk about cut. that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hate that scene too. But um, yeah. So they. We should also point out that this is. Um, we are now basically caught up to the beginning on the thin ice where he's now in the the water mm-hmm. and he's yeah. finally slipping into like that weird kind of i guess insanity um yeah and then he's i guess takes a moment to kind of recover he's back inside the room like everything's a mess and he decides to just reorganize everything and it looks like a World War yeah. II battlefield made out of just all the trash and broken stuff in the room, which looks really interesting. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, also, I think before that you get that scene... Is it, is it before that you get the scene of... Um, the shadow scene where his wife shadow turns oh, into yeah. the animated... Infant, like the or not the infant, mantis insect bug mantis yeah creature thing um so With you very see, pronounced like, hips <laughs> yes she becomes that in his mind this like horrible creature um i also in my notes i forgot i put this but when he does the shout out i think through the window or something i wrote on my notes like pink kind of looks like if jerry seinfeld and kramer had a child because <laughs> he like his face looks like Jerry Seinfeld, but he's crazy like Kramer. Like I yeah, was like, he's got like Kramer uh, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's laugh before we continue to the rest of this. So yeah, he does that crazy scene, which does look utterly awesome. It does make me think of that scene nowadays. It makes me think of how they tried to do it in what was it, The Suicide Squad, with the Joker, great. <laughs> He's like, I think it's a Suicide Squad with the Joker where he's surrounded by stuff he broke. Yeah, all the knives like, and Harley guns. Over Harley leaving and, him and knives and guns. And I'm like, yeah, was that what they like, were channeling there? Little baby clothes. Actually, yes. I remember when the trailer first came out 
for Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. I was commenting, yeah. I don't know, it must have been Reddit or Facebook somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, did anybody get like a Bob Geldof from the wall vibe when that one scene? Because they showed that in the trailer where he's like starts yeah. laughing oh, yeah. and his hair's all slicked back and he's got like kind of like exaggerated lipstick around his mouth. And then, yeah, he lays back mm-hmm. and you pull up and you see it's almost like in a circular pattern around him is all yeah. these knives, like butcher knives and guns and baby clothes and like weird like it's just weird and i was like what if they're going for like a pink floyd vibe with with uh his his version of the joker like it's somebody who's like kind of calm for the most part and then has just has these moments of just sheer insanity and that actually got some people excited about it and i'm so disappointed that that's not what we ended up getting (laughs) because that would have been an interesting take on the joker it it would have been I want to say I mean, we that we got a, another one in the Snyder cut. I guess spoiler alert. I guess oh, that's the, it. Might as well be unrelated. It's so different. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't though? Um. Anyway, yeah, he has um, long hair. No. <laughs> yeah. So it goes to the song "There'll Be Nobody Home," which is also a good song from the album, and it kind of sort of shows him. Sinking into his depression, watching TV, and then also, like, in a desolate land field. Yeah. And then starts seeing a a lot of the people from his past. Yeah, seeing all the people from his past. And then, also, this is a version... See, this is one of those, like, student film moments where young Pink goes into an insane asylum, and it's completely abandoned, but then he finds older pink there going insane and runs away and gets scared this is where you get that student film you're like why is this which uh this this isn't a horror movie and they weren't exactly playing it for horror but that scene where pink looks up is so terrifyingly creepy it is terrifying yeah i was like bob geldof must have been a little insane too because like he did that way too well yeah Mm. You get, like, a bunch of scenes cutting into one of another of, like, dead people in the trenches and just just huge metaphor. Uh, the walls building more. Um, and then you get to the Vera Lynn song. And it's Young Pink at a train station. The soldiers being welcomed back home. And it's clear he's looking for his dad and his dad's not there. And then you get the song, Bring the Boys Back Home, which is a little trippy looking because it's a young kids band playing it. And then everybody in the crowd just starts singing it. Yeah, I mean, that definitely was your rock opera moment right there. Yeah, so I guess I I assume that is the visions that he is having while he is in his drugged up stupor watching his TV um, because the next scene that you get is comfortably numb. Sorry, I'm kind of running through this now because <laughs> we're going to be talking about something for quite a bit later on. Um, comfortably numb. <laughs> you know, they they basically get the doctor to, like, wake him up, even though he's practically almost dead. He's so out of it. They probably give him adrenaline of some kind. Um, comfortably numb is one of my favorite songs from the album and I feel like should have been the more successful singles over Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. But... I think, and I think it is occasionally played on the radio, just not as much as another brick in the wall part two. But um, 
during that, you get the scene of Pink finding a rat that has clearly been poisoned. Pink decides <laughs> yeah. he wants to save it, though. And first he shows it to his mom, and his mom likes, what are you, nuts? And so he goes and puts it in a little box of hay and then puts his little sweater vest on it. And then, like, the next day finds that the rat had died because it had been poisoned. And he puts the sweater back on. And you're like, oh, that's why you were sick, Pinky. That's why you were sick in the beginning. Like, he could have single-handedly restarted the plague. I know, right? Like, my gosh, dude. They drag older... During this, they drag older Pink out of the hotel room. This is where you start getting totally trip-fest. Everything's jumping around. Whatever. Um, they're dragging him out of the hotel room. He seems to be turning into worms or a corpse or, I don't know, scariness. I know this wasn't supposed to be horror, but that scene has always scared me and always uh, yeah, will. He's like, when, he's like molting or something like a yes, caterpillar. Yeah, Actually, we, sk- we skipped on. it, though. We skipped that before Comfortably Numb begins. Oh, God. Uh, I he, he uh, to skip that scene. <laughs> I, I, I can't now. It's like we have to mention it. Okay. Fine. We'll do it quick. He goes a little crazy with the razor and he shaves off his entire chest and his eyebrows and he cuts himself a bit, particularly right on, on his chest in an area that you would not want to cut. We don't need to see yeah. where it is. You could just yeah, say an yeah, area look. you would not want to cut on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> a little a little pointier than, than the normal parts. Yeah. Slicks back his floofy hair, <laughs> gels it all back and turns into... What only can be said as being, you know, Hitler 2.0. That is literally what he turns himself into. Um, yep. Yep. And mm, this is where you get the, you know, his larva has fallen off. He is now the guy you saw in the beginning of In the Flesh. And you get part two of In the Flesh, which is the one in which he's basically Hitler part two. And he's encouraging his crowd to beat up people. Of certain looks, certain races, basically, certain religions. Non, non-white basically, people, basically. Hitler. Yeah, basically non-white people, but also, you know, Jewish people as well. He is quite literally turned himself into Hitler. And he has these hammer signs, and they even do a Hail Hitler too, which I always forget that it starts with... And not that they say Hail, but... They do the hand motion, and I'm like, holy lord, way to pin the hammer on the nail right there. And basically, I don't want to go too much into it, but you get the scene, like, it's like the SS police, you know, secret force, just doing a riot and beating people up and raping a woman and all these things because of the things that he said. I understand, and generally most people understand, that this was supposed to show that if that this is not okay even though they're showing it that pink has turned into this fascist and this horrible person the point is that this is not okay yes yeah, it's this supposed is to be a trauma. warning tale yes and it's like yes this is what trauma can lead to can it shouldn't ever it shouldn't ever get to this point um people should be able to get help um but I mean, I also can't help to think, like, you know, Pink, young Pink was made fun of for writing poems. Young Hitler was made fun of for doing art. That was why this metaphor is here, I would say. Um, Because it shows that if you let all these little things add up, it can create a really big, horrible thing. 
Um, hopefully we don't ever let that happen again, but I am only so confident. But um, I am just that much of a realist. Fights with my optimism a little bit too much. But apparently we learned, at least I learned, from IMDb. I don't know if this is true or not. I assume you can trust IMDb trivia. Um, they actually hired white supremacist as extras for this scene and that yes. is probably the dumbest thing i'd ever heard in cinema history i'm sure there's a lot of dumb things that happen in cinema history this has got to be one of the dumbest though they were like we need real like why do you need realism you don't need realism well, it's called acting like I you don't need it <laughs> the, I, I i think what it was because they just needed as many people as they can get uh, the yeah. casting call was basically for like skinhead looking people mm-hmm. and it just turns out that a lot of skinhead looking and people were actually were like, skinheads oh, yeah so i know and that is one thing that even as a kid when i looked at them i was like that looks like a white supremacist like that looks like one and sure enough yeah and the director was like yeah i got a little out of hand and then i guess afterwards <laughs> this particular set of um white supremacists took the hammer insignia that had been fake for the movie and made it a real white supremacist insignia. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And Roger Waters and the director were like, "Well, that wasn't our intention." I was like, "Well, what did you think was going to happen?" Like, it would have happened irregardless, people... though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I mean t- if you look Technic- at the symbols they take nowadays. Like, I mean, the swastika wasn't a sign of evil until the Nazis oh, appropriated you... it either. So, yeah, it existed Ooh. before. <laughs> as a matter of fact, yeah. there's, there's, um, because this is something I've looked into as well. There's pictures from mm-hmm. like the 1920s and 30s in New York where like there was like a basketball team that had like all of them had like a swastika logo on them on their thing. And, they're saying like, hmm, yeah. what happened to this uh, this team's logo after nineteen like thirty something or whatever it was? Yeah, all of a sudden it was gone because yeah, now it became appropriated. But before then, it was like a well known kind of mm. like common shorthand for something else. It just yeah, you know, you take something and you turn it into something pretty awful, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes irredeemable afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. The swastika symbol was taken, and it was originally, I think, a symbol of hope. I can't remember exactly what culture it came from, but there's even symbols nowadays that people take, not understanding the meaning of it. Um, one thing that I could think of, like right away as a modern example, is when um, during the BLM movement, police officers started using the Punisher symbol. Ooh, and yeah. You're just like, that's not anything to do with the Punisher, eh? Like, he would hate you guys. Like, he would kill you guys for what you're doing within, you know, the bad cops. But, um, because that's a Punisher who kills cops. Like, he doesn't like the government. Or, like, it's, I'm not even a huge comic book fan, and I know that. I am a huge comic book fan. I don't read the comic books, but, like, I'm a huge comic book movie fan, and I know the Punisher doesn't. No, and there's even an issue somewhere. Cop using a symbol that way. Yeah, there was there was an actual issue. I, I remember seeing it somewhere that uh, the Punisher is berating some cops for using the skull logo, like in like a Punisher story, mm-hmm. saying like, "You guys are supposed to be like 
doing this the right way or whatever. Like he's telling them like, yeah, I'm doing this because uh, this is the only avenue I have, but you're supposed to be something better than me or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's a yeah. thing. Uh, symbols can be appropriated and, and uh, perverted, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think the other latest one is like the okay sign as well like when you do that, okay I, with your fingers i don't understand camera, how that became a thing that became a thing i don't know and i went hi oh, i do that sign all the time at work <laughs> like you know like why why we gotta do this but whatever i mean if uh, yeah white supremacy just this is a heavy yeah. movie man <laughs> like there's so it's it's pretty heavy at the end he eventually is in the bathroom uh, after that whole sequence, and this is where I get that that was all in his head, and it was not really what happened, but what he thought would eventually happen. Um, I assume it's actually still before the concert, this bathroom scene, and he's singing that song "Stop," and that he doesn't want to go on, and he wants to find out if he was actually guilty of what's been happening, you know, to him, pretty much, and you get. The last animated sequence, the the trial, which has all of the people you've been introduced to as their animated version. So the wife, crazy hip mantis lady that <laughs> switches into everything horrible, scorpion and spider and all that stuff. Um, his mom, which looks like a big smothering blanket. The teacher as the puppet being controlled by his naked wife. That's great. And you get the judge, which for whatever reason is a big giant ass. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, but I, <laughs> that's still really weird to look at. It's um, it's the it's the testicle chin that really completes that look. <laughs> I was gonna avoid saying that, but <laughs> I was hoping people would just no. Um, just just imagine if a, a butthole could talk like Ace Ventura when he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, I just wish he could have just stayed as the worm that he originally started as. A worm that turns into a man's ass. Great. Um, that That's a sentence also, you just said. <laughs> that's a sentence that I just said. Um, you also get a really gorgeous animated sequence of like the pink is now represented as being like a little dummy, I guess is how I would describe yeah. it. Like a little doll with no clothes pretty much and there's this beautiful looks like color penciled sequence of a leaf falling and it curls and turns into dummy pink and then it curls and it turns into like a slightly like a autumn leaf falling as such a pretty image with this like pretty coral background piece of this like na 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 like it's just such a pretty thing in the midst of oh and then we're back to the scrotum right okay but (laughs) (laughs) but really gorgeous i love that so much that leaf it's so pretty um and the judge eventually calls him guilty for everything that he's done and his sentence is to tear down the wall and you get big shouts to tear Tear down the wall down the wall Yep, you hear the explosion, 
the wall is down, and then you get the scene of what clearly was a scene after the riot that was going on earlier and the looting that was going on or kept being referenced to earlier. Um, Kids sort of cleaning up the area afterwards. Yep, because it's always the next generation that has to pick up after the mess of the adults. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um... And there you go. That's that's Pink Floyd, The Wall. Note to self, don't cast white supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're making like American History X, uh, American History X, then it feels like it would be more appropriate. Wait, yeah. did that have actual white supremacists in it? I don't know. I mean, probably. There's a lot of... I don't want to say I was about to say there's closet white supremacists, but actually that is probably a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of them come out of their closet lately. But, um, yeah. You know, it's kind of just a random thought. And I like to pop off with these every now and then because they're unexpected and people are like, okay, what the hell is that all about? Mm -hmm. But I remember watching Dennis the Menace as a kid Mm -hmm. on Nick at Night. The old uh, 1960s or 50s version, whatever it came out. And I remember that there was two Mr. Wilsons. There was like a kind of slightly chubby um, Mr. Wilson and like a taller, thinner one that wore glasses. Well, the taller, thinner one that wore glasses. I don't know what prompted this in my, I don't know, must have been like seven, eight-year-old brain, maybe even nine-year-old brain. Um, Mm -hmm. But like seeing that version of Mr. Wilson... I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, that guy's a racist. I don't know why. I was nine, eight or nine years old. Like, what do I actually know about racism? But something about the way he looked. I was like, mm. no, yeah. If, uh, if I was to think about, like, somebody from the 50s or 60s that's just, like, a massive raging racist. And, that I mean, that guy could have been, like, the sweetest man. This is just mm-hmm. the impression that my child brain had of an adult for no particular reason that I can think of. It was just, yeah, yeah that guy strikes me as being uh, of the clan for some reason. And that's your random thought for today. Random thought for today. You can always find those on VHS Gems. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you but, get to uh, the one about John Travolta. I'm saving that for one of his movies. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I... You know, even watching it now, and the world that we're in now, I'm like, I still appreciate this movie for existing. For, like, showing how you need to not build walls. And what it can eventually lead to. And how... Yes, you have a responsibility about it, about not letting yourself get to that point, but also people should start recognizing it. People like your agent shouldn't force you to wake you up with adrenaline from your stupor and force you to do a concert. Like, well, one of the teachers things- shouldn't abuse students. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I was taken away from it from an early time, ever since I first started watching it, is that Pink basically doesn't have any agency. He's always just kind of Mm -mm. being told what to do. And that's, I think, why he was a dummy at the end. Because he was just like, do you see scenes of him being trampled? And, of course, he's like floating in the wind like a leaf. That means he doesn't have any control. He's just being pushed around. And that's another danger of like what can happen in your life if you don't take an active role in it then you'll just be, you know, 
man, this is such a heavy movie. There's so many like good ideas in it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, the, it's very heavy for only being an hour and thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think we've talked almost the whole length of the movie right now. <laughs> We're about to talk as the whole there length of the movie. <laughs> um, but I'd like to think that if you sync up yeah, this it, podcast with Dark Side of the Moon, it matches up. Okay, that was a lame joke. Oh, Never mind. That was not. A, that was not a good one. Good try there, though. Um, yeah, we could get win. it to link up with the wall. But, yeah, but um, it's great. I like Pink Floyd. I know a lot of people don't like Pink Floyd anymore, um, but I like, and it's the same as you. I like Pink Floyd within that late seventies gap, though. Like, I don't like the earlier stuff. Yeah, that don't was really the peak love their later Floyd. stuff. Yeah, that's the stuff I like. I did while I was watching this. I kept on thinking of the movie, the documentary you made us watch one time for a geeks watch, um, Yodorowsky's Dune, <laughs> and how he had <laughs> wanted to get Pink Floyd to do the music for it, and he was greatly insulted that Pink Floyd continued eating their lunch while he was trying to talk to them. And he's like, yeah. so I stood there and waited for them to give me the respect I deserve. And I'm hey. like, dude, you're weird. But <laughs> thanks thanks to the new uh, Dune remake, we finally got Pink mm-hmm. Floyd scoring at least the trailer. And it was beautiful. Oh, gosh, that sounded so good. I need to go watch that trailer again. <sighs> <laughs> so excited for that movie, especially after reading Dune. I am much more excited for that movie. I don't know yeah. how they're going to do it well, but... I don't I mean, know if you could ever do this book well. I don't but. think I don't think you can film it like faithful to the book. You just have no. to take like the ideas here and there, because you were wondering how they would portray all of the in like inner monologue, and <laughs> the answer is they just show a lot of inner monologue. Like you have a lot of voiceover going on. Yeah, that's not with like nobody wants to watch that. <laughs> yeah, one of the earliest scenes in that movie is like that big giant head in a jar thing like appearing besides the throne of the emperor of the universe and you see you hear the people thinking like they're like behind the scenes they're like oh the 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 whatever person is here what what must this mean you know and i was like they could have just said that out loud why did they have Mm -hmm. to think it (laughs) yeah because that's all it is political intrigue um you know what? I don't know if I put the 1980s Dune as a VHS gem. Should I add it in? I mean, I'll I watch it again. I have all of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have never gotten through all of it, but it's, I also haven't a- tried to get through all of it after reading the novel. So, because I read the novel like last year. So. You know, the yeah. best thing though, I would definitely recommend at the very least to watch the the trailer comparison because somebody took the new dune trailer and they took the footage from the oh you did see it okay yeah you sent it to us (laughs) oh you were like look at this (laughs) i don't know that anybody ever actually watches the stuff i send i just assume it's unseen but i just like to feel like i contribute (laughs) no no i generally try to watch it i might forget but i generally try to watch the things did you watch pride of the x-men aha i haven't watched no i haven't yet got you (laughs) Busted. I was kind of done with X Men, though. <laughs> that was rough. But, 
Well, this is this one's only unique because it was a one episode only, and it was what was supposed to launch the animated ver- version, which they scrapped, and then we got what uh, you eventually watched. So it's kind of like we could have had this instead. So you know, <laughs> you have, have that basis of comparison. Yes, we could have had Australian sounding Wolverine and. Uh-huh. I'm not- Yes, an- another show, X-Men, that deals with, you know, societal trauma and racism as well. Just like the movie we are watching and supposed to be talking about, The Wall. Um, it's not a podcast with John and I on it, unless there is at least five tangents going on about the other oh, yeah. we watch. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so I think, I think that's all I have to say about The Wall. Um, I don't want to go too much into like the past of it or anything mainly because we are at about the movie length right now within our recording um how about this would you recommend this movie to someone oh um yeah i can't i can't think of a particular name um but i have shown it to people before i have shown it to my friends before when i was like you want to know like how i'm weird and why i'm weird i really like this movie (laughs) watch it See, I don't and think I could show it to I know anybody. My friends will never judge me, and they love me for who I am. That's how I know if they get through. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I have. I, I do think it's a really good movie. I think it's filmed really well. I think the animation sequences, although a little disturbing, especially that flower one, um, are really well done, really good. Um, I do say and noticed it this time too that it does feel a little student filmy like a bit in your face metaphor but i also feel like that's because it's a film made by roger waters you know like by a music artist Um, and he technically was like a art school (laughs) like dropout also so yeah that is just it just it feels a little pretentious like just a little oh yeah no, a little yeah, too sure. on the nose I'm not even gonna lie yeah but <laughs> roger waters is like super stuck up yeah absolutely yeah um but that's i still like it regardless and i could like it because i like pink floyd and i didn't grow up watching all of this movie but i kind of sort of grew up watching this movie um and you come for the Pink Floyd, and you stay for the intense psychological analysis. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if if you are having dark times <laughs> or anything like Pink at all, don't build up a wall. Don't do drugs to distract from it. Although I know that's the easy route. Just talk to somebody, please even if it's a hotline or anything talk to somebody you know talk about your emotions it is perfectly okay to have bad feelings it is something that we teach now even in early childhood that it is okay to have bad feelings to be angry and to be depressed and to be sad it's okay just talk about it or do something about it that is not drugs though (laughs) Or trashing hotel rooms. Yes. And drugs do include the legal ones, by the way. That's the other thing I like to remind people. The drugs do include the legal ones. Those are still drugs. It's still using it as a distraction from your problems. Um, So, yeah. There we go. That's my soapbox, I guess. Not even soapbox. Just take care of yourself. And each other. 
Wait, what's that from? And each other. That's from a thing. I It'll come know. back to me. Like, could it? <laughs> it could be one of the COVID things we got. You know, mask up. No, it's it's, stay it's safe, kind mask of a up, semi take care of each other. It's like have your pet spayed or neutered. Wait, what wasn't those? that Jerry Springer? I think that was Jerry Springer's thing. <laughs> oh, I don't think I ever watched a whole episode of Jerry Springer. Guess I'm missing out yeah. on something. Um, You're not. <laughs> 1982, yeah. Pink Floyd, The Wall, a long music video, or a rock opera. Who knows? Um, John, where can people reach you? <laughs> Well, we can address my emotional trauma at uh, Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. All right. And I am on Twitter as at JM Bailey Writes. Um, you know, tweet at me if you want to talk about your feelings. I am always open to talk about feelings. Um, please, wherever you are listening, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, you can find archives of this podcast and other podcasts that John and I are on at geekalitemedia.com. You can also find us as at geekalitemedia on Twitter and Instagram and then facebook.com forward slash geekalitemedia. Also, don't forget to check out our awesome Patreon page where just for a few buckaroos a month, you can get access to behind the scenes and cool videos and extra contact content or early release content as well on our patreon and yeah until then always remember to geek Geek out. out this concludes our broadcast peace